0: Next week, we get to hear one of, mm, I could argue, the best speakers I've ever heard. His name is Dr. the Reverend Bishop Dr. Joseph de Sousa. Now, If you've got that many titles in front of your name and that many letters after it, you've got to be good, right? This guy brings with him the burden of the undercast and outcast of India. And he has borne this burden well. And we get to hear from him on what's happening over there in India. It is an amazing story of breaking caste down. He believes this is the generation to bring an end to caste in India. That is a huge vision. And he is one of God's generals in the world. I think he is one of God's generals, certainly in India. And it's a great pleasure to have him on campus. He will be speaking on Monday in our community chapel. And then a couple or three times on Wednesday and Thursday, so it will be a great week. I hope you lean in with great anticipation as I do. Leaning in also, it's our final term of this year's race. I hope you're looking forward to a great semester. We've had a really, really good semester of chapels this semester, that is by comparison to last. Uh, We had a couple of, you know, interesting, you know, whatever, flat tires last week. But anyway, we'll leave that one alone, right? (laughs) This semester has been amazing. If you are looking for a little bit of inspiration, go dive into our podcasts and listen to some of these people who have spoken this term, this semester. Uh, Glenn Lowen did a great job. It's all about the Holy... And and I I could list them off, but I won't. But it's a great series that we've got on the go. And this morning, we get a chance to hear from a new person on this platform in this setting, but he is only new because he's also in our classroom, just he arrived this semester. I'm going to come to him in a second, because before we do that, I want to talk about a Ph.D. Now, some of you heard Ph.D.'s being handed out liberally and um, without, uh, promiscuously, I think is the right word and without any consequence. And that was when someone was here on stage and he kept calling me Dr. Maxwell. Now, the first time, it's like, ah, it's okay, Just let it go. Second time, it's like, ah. But by the sixth time, I'm like, that should not be. These are too hard to earn. Don't give them away. I do not have a PhD. I do not have a doctorate degree, as much as I might like one. Even an honorary would be better than what I've got. (laughs) That's not funny. But this morning, everything should stop also. So I did get up at the end of that chapel. I kind of said, you know what? Um, It's um, just Mark, and Dr. Mark is over there. But uh, this morning, we get to celebrate a well-earned, well-worked-for PhD. And Glenn thought that I should be the one to announce this. I think Glenn should be the one to announce this. So unfortunately, I get the microphone, and I'm calling him up to announce it. Glenn. Glenn.
1: So uh, just to say a PhD, as Mark has already said, isn't just a handout. It means that for probably a number of years, someone uh, says, I'm not going to watch the flames at night, Uh, I'm going to do work, and on holidays, I'm not going to go out to skiing, I'm going to work, and on the weekends, I'm not going to go to the city, I'm going to work. So it's a huge commitment. And a number of months ago, Mr. Bill Nyman uh, submitted his dissertation, The Relevance of Calvin, Pascal, and Francis Schaeffer to Postmodern Apologetics. And he heard today, or yesterday, that uh, it was accepted, except for a few minor renova- renovations. So, we're very grateful, first of all, and we want to congratulate Connie, Connie for putting husband through. And especially we want to congratulate Dr. Bill Nyman.
0: Congratulations, Dr. Bill. We celebrate with you, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy the flames next season. (laughs) Dr. Justin Allison is going to be our speaker this morning. Some of you are enjoying him in class. Let me pray for him as he comes up. Our Father, we thank you for Justin. We thank you for the work you've done in him, the work that you do through him. We thank you for his presence here with us. We thank you for the talent that you've invested in him. We pray now that you would bring that talent to life by your Holy Spirit. Enliven him and through him enliven us for full fullness of life. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.
2: Thank you so much, Mark. Congratulations, Bill. I know the pain and struggle and... Long nights, well done, and um, well done Connie too. Um, Andrea knows your pain and struggle. (laughs) I just wanted to say thanks, first of all, thanks to Mark for inviting me to speak. Thanks to so many of you who have helped us move in, helped us uh, get settled, answered our questions, just been a friendly face. We're so grateful uh, to have you as our community. We're so thankful. I've uh, just been overwhelmed by God's goodness and God's faithfulness during this time, this first, even just this first term, being here. It's been wonderful, uh, a wonderful introduction. It's been cold, yeah, sure. <laughs> but I like having my eyelashes freeze when I walk <laughs> to work from Davidson. It's great. It's lots of fun. I wanted to introduce a couple of people. Uh, one is Andrea, my wife. She's got the red hair in the back there. Second is Dorothy, my daughter, who's standing up. She's got a red bow in her hair. There she is. She's probably eating some Cheerios. And there's two twins in there hidden somewhere, uh, Ruth and Susanna. Yep, there's a car seat. And then it's my dad and my mom, Reed and Misty. Uh, And and then my sister, Anna, um, who, not here yet. Maybe she's coming. They're here. Yeah. They're here just visiting, just visiting from Florida, um, so they have a rude awakening. <laughs> it's been great. Well, today we're talking about uh, the Spirit of Resurrection. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Resurrection, as the Spirit of Healing. Uh, we're focusing in on Romans 8 1 through 11. Um, I think we should begin by reading these verses uh, and. What I want to do today is just give some, a few reflections about this text, and then just tell my, a bit of my story of my basically how has how the spirit of healing worked in my life. Um, so let's go there. Let's go to Romans 8. We'll start at verse 1, we'll go through verse 11, just spend some time soaking in this text. There's a lot here. As with any sermon, there's no way that one sermon can capture it all, especially in this one when um, I just have a few few comments to make. Come to my classes for more. (laughs) Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. So this morning, we're, I wanted to read that whole set of verses so you get a sense of Paul's flow of thought It all begins with the statement that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The power of sin is not the last word. That the Spirit breaks the law of sin and death, that law that says that sin leads to death, always. Sin always leads to death, to separation from God. The Spirit breaks that bond, breaks that nexus. And now, now sin and death that's poured out on Christ can lead to life through the resurrection. And so as, as we focus in, we're going to focus in on verses 10 to 11, this whole idea that, this, that, Christ, that the Spirit of Christ dwells in us, that, that the Spirit is a, is a Spirit who gives life, both now and in the resurrection, the ultimate resurrection, in the final consummation of our lives. So as, as you think about these verses, just reflect for a moment this is uh, these verses are are just uh, cosmic in scope the creator of the universe the creator of of potentially billions of planets and worlds so billions of stars far more than we can we can measure created each one of us right here in this room if if we are christians today if we've been born again if we've we've committed ourselves wholly to wholly to god in faith in utter dependence on him knowing that we can bring nothing but just depend on Him in faith. The Spirit of God who, who created all of those worlds is alive right here in each one of us. Is, that, is this part of our daily reality? Or is it? do we struggle to live in, in acknowledgement of that? I thought maybe we could begin, this is kind of an indirect way of getting into this text, but maybe we could begin to get into this text by thinking about somebody who denies that that's true. Okay, If I could have the next slide, please. This, if you can tell what this is, I think you can, uh, with some help. <clears throat> this is a graffito. All right, so you've heard the word graffiti. Graffiti's plural, graffito's singular. This is a, a drawing. It's a drawing from 1800 years ago. It's a drawing that uh, someone made, probably a, a soldier or a guardsman, in the Imperial Palace in Rome. And if you've, if you've ever been to Rome, uh, the Palatine Hill is just this massive complex of the, the old ancient Roman um, emperors. The, so from the dorms to Davidson is probably a good representation of how big the palace was. And it was this complex of buildings uh, for, with marbles from all over the world, center of power. I mean, Rome ruled the, the, the Western world. And in one of the buildings there, in uh, one of the homes, is inscribed this drawing. And you can, you can tell that there's someone here on the cross, right? You can see a horse's head on the top. You can see maybe to the left, um, someone standing there raising a hand. And maybe you're familiar with this, maybe you're not. But basically, this says in Greek, Alexamenos, which is it's the name of someone that someone's being made fun of, alexamonos worships God. And so someone here is poking fun at their, maybe their friend, maybe their enemy, Alex Simonos, saying the God that you worship is, is just utter foolishness. The God you worship, you say that you worship someone who's crucified on a cross, that's like, that's like us worshiping someone who was, who was uh, put to death uh, by the death penalty. What? How could this be true? No, no, it makes more sense to say that this guy has a, has a horse's head, that you actually worship foolishness. You worship a donkey. You don't worship a god. Do we, you know, when we think about this, maybe this is offensive, and it's offensive to me because it, it's right, it hits right at the heart of, okay, is this Christian life that I'm living true, or is it all just a dream? Is it all just a fable? All right. But then as we think about our life of, of experiencing what, what Paul's talking about, experiencing this invitation from God to the, to the new life of the Spirit, I think sometimes we come closer to the spirit of this passage, spirit of this, of this graffito, this, this drawing, than to, to this passage. And there's basically two ways that, um, that, that I'll just reflect a bit on. So the, the first main way is is pessimism. It's pessimism or nihilism or discouragement. So maybe we're so frequently so overwhelmed with the power of sin in the world, in our own lives, especially in the lives of others. Why is my family member um, dealing with mental health in such a, such a destructive way? Why, why is there famine in the world? Why are there all these injustices going unanswered? Maybe we become pessimistic, cynical about the possibility that change can ever really happen in us. You know, it's interesting, in in these verses, all of the yous are actually y'alls, okay? It's good to be from Arkansas when you read Scripture sometimes. All of these yous are y'alls. The Spirit of God lives in y'all, dwell, makes His home in all of y'all, okay? (laughs) Which Which is a massive claim, not just me but you as well, not just the people I like, but everybody, every believer in Christ, the Spirit of God has made his home. Are we pessimistic? Are we cynical that that's really true, that that, that the Spirit of Christ can can bring growth, can bring change in others? If we abandon the task of caring for others, for, for serving the greatest needs of the world, as God's called us to do, we've lost our hope that what God has done, ultimately, is the definitive, the definitive event that's brought decisive change. We perhaps doubt His love for us. We doubt His love for the world. We live as though it, it really is all about us and our, our, our process, our procedure, and our making change that we, we lose sight of the fact that, no, no, we are, we are creatures in the hands of of a powerful God whose spirit alone brings change. And this is, when we look back at, at verse 3, this is the reminder. What the law was powerless to do because it was weakened in the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Our hope, our, our, our lives are built on what God has accomplished, not on what we have accomplished. Not what we have yet to accomplish or what is yet to be done, but on what God has done in Christ. When, when God condemned sin in sinful flesh, what's that talking about? It's talking about the cross. It's talking about Christ bearing our sin. But, but more than that, it's talking about sin leading to death, but then destroying itself in the resurrection. Christ defeats death, God defeats death ultimately in, in the cross and in the resurrection by, by bringing about the unthinkable, life from death. And this is our this is our. This is what we have our eyes on as Christians is not is, is not the what we can accomplish, but but what Christ has accomplished in the cross and in the resurrection. so even when we 're discouraged, even when we're, we're pessimistic, even when we are tempted to think that you know actually this graffito might have something of truth about it, we recognize that God truly brings life out of death. When we walk through suffering and trial with our eyes fixed on God who's with us in our suffering, it makes all the difference. God has dealt the decisive blow to death in the history of, in all of history in the resurrection. Sometimes we're practically pessimistic. We may not actually think these, these thoughts. We might actually be in entertaining these doubts, but sometimes our, the practice of our life is, is pessimistic or it's It's, again, in in line with the spirit of of this idea that this is not real. So you think about maybe the Netflix life, uh, a life filled with distraction, a life seeking to be entertained above all else, ultimately, seeking to escape rather than to live life here, right now. This is basically denying the value of the life that, that God has given you in Christ. It's denying that we can walk according to the power of the Spirit to put the, to death the deeds of the body, to 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 be a part of His kingdom in new ways, to, to be to play a part in God's redemptive work in the world. Oftentimes, it's it's a distraction from all the hurt and pain and all of our mess um, that we have inside. Of, rather than allowing God to deal with it, rather than than following Him in faith, we seek to be distracted. We, we don't recognize that the mind of the flesh, that, that is a form of, of death, leading to death. The mind of the flesh leads to death. It leads to further separation from God. Distracting yourself, running from God, doesn't lead to life. It leads to death. It's a, maybe a denial of the fact that you're beloved by God, that you have a life to live, that you've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand. Sometimes perhaps we're, we're pessimistic in that God and our struggle against sin, God can't bring real change because we're just so frustrated with, with getting over. It. Maybe perhaps we're dealing with addiction, perhaps we're dealing with emotional hurt, perhaps we're dealing with uh, broken relationships, and it's intractable. And there's no there's no progress. There's no growth. Perhaps we're stuck at Romans seven twenty four. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? from this body that's subject to death. And we can't move on to this next verse, thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So again, what is the Christian life founded on when we we experience this this pessimism? And again, this could be something that's practically lived out rather than than consciously um, thought. What's the Christian life founded on? Is your trust placed in yourself, and your performance? and your success? Or is it placed on Christ? Our hope is in being united to God. That's what brings true fruit in our lives. The Spirit is life. In verse verse 9, let's look again at verse 9. You are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, Even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Whose righteousness? God's righteousness. in being faithful to His covenant promise to redeem His people from themselves, to take their sins upon Himself, to to recreate them, to transform their humanity uh, in Christ, and to draw us back to Himself for His glory, ultimately. Now, the other sort of uh, trap that we can fall on, the other extreme, rather than pessimism, is, is triumphalism, triumphalism. We think about the spirit of healing in our lives. Oftentimes, we downplay what the Spirit can do, or we, we struggle to know, to, to know that healing, or we struggle to believe that, that can, it can actually happen in our lives. On the other hand, sometimes we, we are overconfident in the Spirit's work in our lives, or overconfident in, in what's happening here and now, and not respecting the fact that we are on a journey. We're on a journey that God's work is, is both past, present, and future. So how does that show itself? Well, it shows itself in perhaps stifling God's call to be His hands and feet in new ways, to new people, rather than just falling back in what we've always done. Perhaps it's thinking and living as though we have nothing more to learn, Even as we're going through classes, even as we're going, perhaps it's a resistance to to thinking in new ways about Scripture, new ways about God. It shows itself up in discounting other believers in your life as though they have nothing to give to you, that God is not making a claim on you through them to love them, to learn from them, to serve them, and thus to learn more about God, to learn more about yourself, to grow. It shows itself up in an unwillingness to admit weakness and incomplete healing in your life, trying to cover it up with the good work that's already happened or the success that you've had. It's refusing to lament. All these are, imp- are, are ways of, of triumphalism, are ways of practicing triumphalism. And that ultimately is just as idolatrous as, as pessimism, just as idolatrous as, as this little uh, drawing up here. Because it's a a denial that that what ultimately matters is the work that God has done. Again, both in the present and in the future. The fact that we are creatures and not God. It's a denial that ultimately God brings the decisive victory over sin and death in the cross, in the resurrection, and ultimately in the consummation of all things. Verse 11 if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his sin who lives in you. Why is Paul talking about the future? Why is that important? Why is it that we need to know about what happens in the future in order to live well here? Well, it's, it's respecting the fact that we are, we are not God and that we are on a continual journey in God's kingdom. God is bringing fruit out in us. God is continually teaching us and working out our salvation in us. And that is the way that we, that's, that's what gives space for lament. That we're, we're, the Spirit of God brings out lament in us. As we suffer, as we go through difficulty, we learn, we grow. Biblical faith has always lived on a journey. It's right, I'm not, hear me out, it's right to celebrate the victories that, that God gives us in life. I'm not saying that, that, that it's not true, but, but it's wrong to view these victories as the end, as though we've graduated, as though we have nothing further to do, nothing further to learn, nothing further, nowhere further to grow, rather than encouraging us and calling on us to grow more deeply into God and more deeply into relationship with Him. So those are a few reflections on this text. I just wanted to share a bit about um, my own testimony, my own experience of the spirit of healing. So when I, there's two major events in my childhood that shaped who I am today. One uh, is when I was about 9 and 10, I went through um, childhood cancer. So I went through, I had a type of bone cancer called Ewing sarcoma. And it all started with, Lower weird lower back pain, excruciating lower back pain. Um, and they thought it was a number of different things. We didn't know what was going on. I just would wake up at night and my, my lower back would be pounding and it was just this strange feeling. Um, and so we went in for a scan and we found this, this tumor about the size of a baseball in my lower tailbone. And long story short, uh, they did some exploratory surgery. The tumor had grown substantially up my spine. They took a biopsy of it, and they found that it was vulnerable to a certain type of chemotherapy. Um, and so over the next year, I did uh, chemotherapy treatments. Uh, and so this is me when I am, uh, I've lost all my hair from the, from the chemo. And this is an epic family picture for a number of reasons. I mean, just look at my little brother, Taylor. <laughs> it's hard not to look at his face and just smile. My sister, Anna, is so cute. Um, so it's just, it's just uh, an awesome picture. Uh, it's legendary. Over the next year, I went, so I'd go into the hospital uh, for three days or for five days at a time every other week. So I'd switch one week. I'd go in three days, and a week break, and then another week for maybe for five days. And gradually, uh, the tumor decreased in size. Uh, I never had to, you know, often in childhood cancer, the problem is you're giving chemotherapy and uh, it it destroys the immune system of the child. And so that ultimately sometimes your white blood cell count drops and you can't give any more chemotherapy because you're going to, you know, start to harm the child in other ways. But my white blood cell count, I never had to stop chemotherapy because my white blood cell count was too low. Uh, So God's providence. I had a i 'm just thinking about the history of this that if I had had my cancer fifteen years, 20 years before, I would have had far less chance of surviving, but because of in god 's providence the research that had been done, the the medical advances that had been done, I was able to have a 70 percent chance of survival um, and so through that year here, here I am, obviously, you know that it turns out well. Uh, through that year, uh, went through three months of radiation after that, uh, and I've been in remission ever since. Um, so you think about the spirit of healing. Is that, you know, sometimes we get all mix, mixed up and messed up about thinking about the, how the spirit acts. Is that the spirit of God who healed me, or is that healing through something else? I think that's the, it's the providence of God. It's the spirit of God at work in my life. Uh, and I think we discount the spirit when we, when we think that he doesn't work in more, in more ordinary ways um, through the mediation of creatures rather than supernaturally, extraordinarily. Not to say that he doesn't act in those ways. So healing, the spirit of healing, that's how, again, in my life, this is a, it's a journey in a way. Um, here I am, healthy, and I always have the prospect of the fact that of, of recurrence. And I'm, I'm on a journey of faith. That I have no idea what the next year will bring. Later on in life, we found that my cancer led to infertility in me. And so again, that brought deep sadness uh, for a number of years of uncertainty about how is God going to lead us? Uh, for both of us, my wife and I, Andrea, who, who our, voc- our sense of calling from God is to have children, to, to have a family. And now... We can't because of this this cancer diagnosis, because of the treatment that I received. Obviously, again, the blessings of God are back there crying uh, and having fun and drinking milk and all sorts of stuff. Healing, this is the healing that God has done in in our lives. That's a longer story as well. Emotional healing, emotional healing. The second major event in my life was my parents' divorce, my parents' divorce, So I introduced uh, my mom, Misty, as my mom. So technically, Misty is my stepmom. My parents have remarried, they're both remarried. When I was, so this happened just before cancer. And just to give you a sense, so when I was in the hospital receiving chemotherapy, eating nothing for three days or five days or vomiting all the time because of the chemotherapy, feeling awful, what I was thinking about was who I was going to spend time with on the weekends, and how I was going to make that choice between mom or dad. And how I was going to, I was just more concerned about that than this cancer thing. I was more concerned about and, and stressed and, and, uh, and harmed by the breaking apart of my sense of who my parents were and who I was and where our home was than, than the cancer itself. At least that's what uh, was most present in my mind. And again, this is a long story, but in the course of my life, that has dramatically shaped me. It's shaped my faith, it's shaped my personality, that experience of, of divorce, in ways that I'm still understanding, in ways that I'm still coming to learn about. So just a couple of examples. When I, I remember as a kid thinking to my seven, eight-year-old self, all right, well, I can't fix this outward situation, mom and dad, I can't put them back together, so I need to kill this thing in me that hurts so i 'm going to bury that and and try to distance myself as much as I can, distance myself, distance myself, and just act as though it 's all fine it 's okay it 's good and that pattern again is foundational for me. My faith when, I, when I, I was very involved in in church my whole life, I grew up in a Christian family and um, have been involved by the grace of God in church and um, in youth groups and going on mission trips and all these things and There was genuineness to my faith, but my faith was so shaped by the management of external uh, phenomena, the management of the externals, because basically it was the same sort of thing, my same response as a seven, eight-year-old kid. I was wanting to protect myself, and so I thought, okay, if if I can be easygoing, if I can just distance myself from this pain, if I can just bury it, if I can have these these outward signs that I'm doing okay—I've got the approval of my youth minister, I've, I've got the approval of my parents, I've got the approval—I'm doing well in school. Um, I'm a I'm a good Christian kid. If I've if I've got these externals in place, then I'm going to be all right, and I can just be distant, and and that, all that internal stuff is just not going to matter. And ultimately, you know, in my first year of college, I went through a, serious, a period of serious depression. Um, and just crisis of faith. Uh, I was on my own. I was kind of confronted. uh, Some of these, the supporting network, these externals that had kind of propped up who I was, my identity, were taken away, and I was left with myself. And And I realized I had this internal dissonance in me between what I said I believed as a Christian and who I was actually. Sin struggles, a lack of genuine love for others, a sense of hypocrisy. A sense of it was almost as though I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it was almost as though I was watching myself in a movie, and my 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 life was was passing by on a movie screen. But I was in a dark room, and I was detached from it. It was like it wasn't real. Um, and ultimately, I, long story short, again, so in the midst of a of a crisis time, of of just being overwhelmed with my sin, overwhelmed with, my, with the darkness, with the brokenness in me. Um, I was actually staying at my parents' house, and I happened upon some old books that my parents had read to me when I was a kid. Uh, and so it was the, the midst, midst of kind of a depressive uh, time in my life, and I was looking at those books, and I was filled with longing for that time. This was when I was, you know, 21, 20 years old, filled with longing for that time when my parents were still together. And God helped me see. Okay, Justin, there's a connection here. That I am still that eight-year-old boy seeking security, in in these external things in my life, seeking to make sense out of this life rather than dealing with the pain inside. And I and I felt as though God was was coming into my heart with a with a lantern. My heart was completely dark, uh, and and coming to find me, and and to to find me and. And help me grow, and help me learn more about myself. And I'm sorry that I'm another emotional male uh, here. We have a lot of emotional males, and it's <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. God was coming to find me, and He was going to help me live a real life that was a whole life. And still to this day, I'm I'm trying to learn what that means. Still to this day, I I again as part of my personality, the, these things that have happened to me. The, um, and so my, again, through all the ups and downs of, of this, my hope has not been ultimately when I, my hope is not in my progress, not in my achievement of certain benchmarks of success, but my hope is that, that the spirit of the living God is in me. And, and that is your hope as well. We're running out of time. I just wanted to—I sh- wanted to share these things uh, from my life as an encouragement to you, um, just to just to m- mainly give glory to God for for the work that He's done, uh, and just to be honest with you about w- where I am and and the work His work in me. But I want to encourage you as well. Spend time with God. Spend time with God. Looking in these verses, thinking about and reflecting on the fact that God is with you, God's Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, the, the creator of the universe is with you. He's, he's at work in you. Ask yourself if, if the way that you live your life, not just what you believe, not just what you, what you mentally assent to, but the pattern of your life, is the pattern of your life in recognition of the fact that the Spirit of Christ is with you and loves you that you're beloved by him. If Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you so much that you're the life-giving Spirit that you came, you walked in our shoes, you walked in our humanity, and you redeemed it, and you restored it. God, there's so many needs, so many uh, struggles in this room, so many instances of your people on a journey, and we thank you that you are with us. We pray that you'd help us to be attentive to you and attentive to your work in our hearts, in our community. Help us to know your presence with us. In your name we pray. Amen.